Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky here with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great, man. I can't complain. It's been a good week, a very productive week. We were able to get, I guess, what was it, a third show? Was it our third TV show? Yeah, I think that was number three. Yeah, we were able to get that off and running. We've seen a flurry of moves and stuff like that. So, no, nah, it's been a really good week. No, no doubt. It was fun to uh, to get the show out and, uh, there for the folks. Hey, Nabil, if you're out there, what are the uh, the re-air times? I think Friday night's 8 p.m., I want to say, is the the re-air. If you missed the TV show, you can catch it, uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern on Friday. And then it'll be on a couple other times throughout the weekend as well. So uh, you can be on the lookout for that if you missed the show. It was great to catch up with Dave Roberts, the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. We we aired a little portion of the interview on the TV show, but today's audio podcast, we're going to air the entire thing, which is uh, really fantastic. I enjoyed getting a chance to visit with him, Buck. I know you're a Dodger fan, so it carried a little extra weight with you, uh, but somebody that in four years 
um, has won more games than anybody else in Major League Baseball and uh, has had a chance to, to win that division all four years. A lot of success there, but also good insight on not being able to quite finish the way they wanted to. And he gives us some uh, uh, some really, really good insight on what it takes to take that next step. And we relate it all back to football, as we always do. But I, I always get a lot of value talking to these guys from other sports. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun. Uh, I think the crossover is really fascinating because even though they're different sports, I think the team building process, I think dealing with uh, elite competitors, it's all the same. And I think uh, Dave's background as a football player, a quarterback coming up uh, before kind of turning his attention to baseball really provided a a different perspective. Um, I think the crossover works because I think he understands our game and we certainly understand and respect the stuff that he's been able to accomplish in his short career as a manager. All right, so we'll get a chance to, to catch up with everybody on the back side of this interview, but let's not waste any more time because it's an awesome opportunity uh, to catch up one of the best managers in Major League Baseball and offer some insight in how um, it can relate over to the football world, which he knows quite well having played a little football back in the day. So here's our conversation with Dodgers manager Dave Roberts. Well, Dave, thank you so much for, for spending some time with us today. I guess uh, my first question is, as, as scouts here, we'd love to know the, the scouting report going back to RBV, to Branch, Ranch of oh. Vista, Dave Roberts, the quarterback. <laughs> we, want, we want the scouting report on Dave Roberts, the quarterback. We need a comparison. We need to know about the skill set. What do we got? Uh, very light arm. Uh, it's, uh, de- it's definitely Tua, Tua very light. Um, could really run, <laughs> could see the field, play action really good, could sell fakes, uh, mechanics, mechanics good, plus plus runner, um, team leader, um, but certainly too uh, very light. <laughs> I love it. So Dave, you, you go on from there and you walk on to UCLA's baseball team. I'm really fascinated by the mentality and the mindset. What led you to walk on and how did you earn your way onto the roster and then become a draftable baseball player? You know what's interesting? Um, I think to your, to your question, it's, it's more of betting on yourself. Um, and I bet on myself. And I just figured that, you know, I had an appointment to go to the Air Force Academy. I was going to play football uh, for Fisher to Barry and uh, run the uh, option um, and then at the, uh, so as we get into July, I decided, you know what, I've already had one ACL reconstruction. I want to play baseball. And then, so I basically knocked on UCLA and coach Adams door and said, I want to play baseball. And so it was one of those things where it's worst case scenario, you're going to get a UCLA degree, but honestly, guys, it's just like you guys see players all the time and that intangible and guys that just bet on themselves. Talk about betting on yourself. We hear the word grit a lot. We use it a lot. I know every sport uses it. Uh, but the grit you showed to be able, as a player, to be able to kind of grind through, not just as a walk-on, but really kind of a long career there in the minor leagues. What was it every year that, that, that kept your eye on the prize to keep fighting the way you did? I think, yeah, you said, DJ, it's like keeping your eye on the prize. And I, I didn't know what the term uh, grit meant, you know, at that point in time, because people even used it back then. But um, that passion and perseverance for a long-term goal. Uh, Brene Brown coined that coined that uh, term or that definition, and I admire her. Um, but understanding where you want to get to and then just continuing to uh, grind. Um, and there were certainly days that I wanted to walk away and felt it just wasn't going to be right for me. But I still, I think I look back and every single day, I love going to the ballpark and competing. And I think that that right there and just that desire to keep trying to get better and hopefully get that opportunity to play at the highest level. 
you know, in, in your background, because you were a multi-sport star, um, you were able to settle in in baseball. But how did your diverse background in athletics Ooh. help you when you did decide to be uh, a baseball player, a full-time baseball player? You know, it's interesting is that's the thing about, um, you know, with football and basketball and baseball that I played, um, the basketball, you're running lines, you're you're the, doing the suicide, you're playing defense. It's all about defense to create offense. In football, you got to go head up. And I remember playing bull in the ring where I was the only guy in the ring and you had all these guys coming one at a time and then the coach calling the number. And then you have baseball where you fail seven out of 10 times and it makes you a better baseball player. So, and learning to deal with failure. So all those things made me a better baseball player, in my opinion. So that's what's interesting now is that you guys see people that – now people are just more specific, whether it's football, it's volleyball, it's soccer, it's basketball, it's baseball. And so that's kind of the difference where our time when we grew up. Yeah, Dave, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I've heard you use the phrase showcase players. We, had, we were talking to Urban Meyer about this because we're passionate about guys playing multiple sports. And he used, he used the phrase spandex quarterbacks. And in other words, these guys are play football and then you get to the spring and they're in spandex seven on seven tournaments all over the place where we went to basketball and then to baseball. Do you see it like when you, you've been around now on the manager side of things, do you, do you see a difference from guys at the major league level that you know have all these different sports backgrounds versus the guys that specialize at a young age? You know, what's funny is I, I do. I, I do. And, and uh, he's exactly right. I, I guess I, I like that spandex uh, player. That's that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, but I, I tell our scouting directors, our, our team president uh, with baseball operations, I want quarterbacks. And I love the multi-purpose player. And I think the quarterback is a guy that is a team leader, uh, can see the field, um, looks uh, for the benefit of others. But certainly for me, um, the skill set to play baseball, the hit tool, the power, the arm strength, the fielding, the speed, those certainly things make sense. But to be honest with you, those showcase players, you know, when you need to drive a run in, in the ninth inning, tie score, infield back, and need to put the ball in play, you know, that 550-foot home run and the guy looks good in the uniform, I, I just want a ground ball. And, and um, so, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's players that look good on paper um, but there's also players to help you win baseball games. So I think that there's a marriage and a combo with obviously the analytics, the projection, which is very, very hard. And you guys know, I mean, scouting is one of the hardest things to do in all of sports and to project. Um, but for me on the field, it's my job to develop and, and make players uh, reach their full potential. You know, and thinking about that, because you kind of touched on the analytics. In football, we're beginning to see analytics not only make its way onto the field, but also in the evaluation process. As a manager, though, when you're evaluating players, how much of it is the eyeball test and the feel that you get as opposed to what the data reflects? Well, I'll tell you this, though. Um, analytics has been a part of sports for since the beginning of sports and you know whether it's uh you know we're running uh wide left and you know student body left in green bay student body right you still have a number on how much we're going to do that you know but lombardi wanted to run it and run it well and i'll put my 11 against your 11 and we're going to be better um, but i think that with baseball and football and basketball all these sports there's certain tendencies that people have done 
and now we just can quantify it. But for me, I just want as much information as I can. But ultimately, yeah, it's your gut, it's your eyes. And in one particular moment, you can take all the information that you've had. But to be honest with you, whether the play is executed, whether it's not, whether the pitch is made, whether it's not, whether this hitter is going to get this pitcher out, that's essentially a flip of a coin. So now you got to bake in the eyes and how the player is feeling right there, uh, what's led up to that particular moment, and, and also the information. Is there a sweet spot there, Dave, in, in terms of maybe some teams are too far analytic-driven, maybe some teams are too far, you know, kind of that gut feel, old-school scouting-driven? Is there? Have you been able to find kind of that sweet spot where you can put it all together at just the right dosage? We're still working on it. We're still working on it. And, and I think that, you know, it's funny is that the sweet spot is, as I've learned as a manager, the sweet spot is when, when it works. <laughs> um, you know, the process and everything can be right and you can believe in it. But if it doesn't work, then it was wrong. So I don't believe in that, obviously. <laughs> Um, but I think yeah. that it's just more of the conversations. You know, I love, I mean, I have the scouts in my office all the time and I encourage our players to talk to scouts. I'm, I'm talking to the front office. I'm talking to my coaches. I'm talking to players. And I think that whether it's Clayton Kershaw, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, or Cody Bellinger or Mike Trout, uh, you know, Mookie Betts, who we just acquired, you know, certain guys are just outliers and you can basically just bet on who they are as, a, as an athlete and you throw them out. And some guys you can't. You know, some guys at 90 pitches, his stuff falls off. You know, some guys, when it gets to the goal line, he can't push the pile. And you need that guy with 20 extra pounds to be the goal line back. You know, that's just the way it goes. But that goes with coaching and, and conversations. You know, Dave, it's funny that you talk about relationships and communication, because one of the things that I've heard about you is because you guys have been really heavily analytic driven, that you've had to really manage the relationship with the players to get them to have a complete buy-in. Talk about the importance of trust and communication when you are trying to make decisions that are in the best interest of the team, but you're dealing with players who are used to playing every day. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's a constant, uh, I wouldn't say struggle. It's a constant challenge. It's something that I got to keep front of mind. Um, you know, I think the thing is, is that I have to always remember what it's like to be a player. When you're a coach, you have to remember that. Um, and, and secondly, um, I very all the time I let players know our goal is to win baseball games and, and winning is uh, the most important thing. So uh, when you have a lot of good players, you know, players want to take care of their families. They, they want to perform. They want the opportunity. They always feel that they're the best option, which I love. And you never want to change that. Um, but I do think that to play for a champion, there's got to be sacrifice. And, and I think that for us, that's something that we talk about. And just giving guys opportunities, um, you know, when they can't, when I can and, and kind of make guys feel relevant and empowered. But it, it's tough because I think for me, as you guys might have heard, I try to touch every player every single day. And, you know, you see, I was on a uh, podcast with Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr uh, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, Pete, Car Pete Carroll's a guy that's going up and down the sidelines, patting guys on the butt and, you know, just a little something. I think that that goes a long way when you're a leader of men um, or women. Um, and, and so just a little bit that that head coach or that manager can let them know, hey, I'm thinking about you. I still believe in you. I still need you. And that little bit keeps guys going. But I think for me, it's the consistency of having those conversations. Yeah, I think that's just pure leadership uh, is what it is, Dave. I love that. Uh, we've been talking a lot about um, being able to come back. We've used that kind of as a theme, and we're talking more about that. As a country, we see it now. We're trying to come back. Hopefully sports are going to be coming back. 
But you're such a great example of this. And we go back to that Red Sox series. Down 3-0, you steal the base. Everybody knows the story. You guys come back and win that series. What, what's the mindset that, that, that needs to be there in order to make a comeback? The, the, it's living in, in the moment. And um, it's living in the present. And, you know, looking back is noise. Uh, looking forward and expectations uh, brings uh, anxiety and nerves. But I think that when you're in the present, um, you're in the moment. I take the field. Um, Kurt Schilling takes the mound. Pedro takes the mound. You know, Tom Brady, you know, comes out of the huddle. You're you're trying to execute one play. And, and I think that when you can do that and people talk about it, but it's not rhetoric. It, it's real. And when you can kind of get to the micro and not the macro and eliminate that noise. I think it just gives you the best chance to perform. And I think for me, in my particular case, I w went from a starter from LA as a first place team to a bench guy and you had to wait for your opportunity. And I prepared, I, I watched video, I, I worked on things and I was a good teammate when I needed to be. But when my opportunity came, um, I was ready. Uh, I, when it presented, I was ready for it. You know, in expanding upon that, you talk about being able to come back. Uh, you led the Dodgers to back-to-back -back World Series. You guys fell up on the short end of the stick and both of those. How do you bounce back from those moments? Because we have NFL teams like the San Francisco 49ers who went to the Super Bowl and were winning with seven minutes left and then it falls apart. What is the mindset and the mentality to come, from, come back from a big disappointment to still get back and maybe be able to change the result the following year? It's not easy. It's not easy. And yeah, I've managed for four years and uh, <laughs> losing twice in the World Series, uh, you know, division series, NLCS. And so it's not easy. But I think that uh, it's something that people don't understand, you know, to go all the way up the mountain and to give everything you have for eight months and, you know, to then lose, to then have to have that grit or that you know, intestinal fortitude or whatever you want to call it, to get back up there individually, collectively, to go back up that mountain that is not guaranteed to get to the top is not easy. Um, but I think that I'm fortunately uh, blessed with a lot of great coaches, um, front office and, and players, most important, that uh, we're, we're synced up and we got a tough group of guys and understand that you know, we, we, we failed in the sense of we didn't we don't have that ring. But I still think that, you know, over the last four years, we've won more baseball games than any team in the big leagues. And I think that there's something to be said for that. But, yeah, we're all kind of divine, defined by championships and rings. And especially when you're in Los Angeles and you got to deal with Magic Johnson, who's who's the king of all the rings. So, man, uh, the bar the bar is certainly high. But but I love that. And we're, we're going to get there. Well, one of the things that I love what you guys did in the offseason, Dave, you mentioned about Mookie Betts coming over. You know, I work for the Baltimore Ravens, and you see them have an unbelievable regular season last year, best team in football. It didn't go the way they wanted in the postseason. And so faced with the choice of let's just bring everybody back, we're good enough, we just need to iron out a couple things in the postseason, they go out and they get a Calais Campbell. They're, they're very aggressive in the draft. Um, they went out and got Derek Wolf. They drafted two linebackers because they, they gave up all those rushing yards against uh, Derrick Henry and the Titans. And you guys, again, that unbelievable regular season would have been easy to say, hey, we just need to come back, fix a couple things, and we roll. But here you guys just continue to add more great players. What, again, what is that kind of mindset of, hey, this is good, but it's not good enough? Yeah, that, that's, that's really good. And that's, that's, a, that's a slippery slope. 
because, you know, if, if that whole adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And understanding that, yeah, we didn't win the World Series, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's broke. You're still we still won 106 baseball games and um, still had a lot of talent. But I think that, you know, getting the right people in that mix in with the culture that you've created, I think, is paramount. And obviously, you look at Mookie Betts, his baseball card. Um, it, it's easy to say that his character fits when you look at the baseball card. Um, but but Mookie <laughs> is, is, a, is a better man and teammate than he is a baseball player, if you can even imagine that. Um, you know, we acquired David Price as well. So, um, and Blake Trinan is another guy. And I think that the important thing is that when you have a culture in place, and that's the chicken or the egg. Is it winning breeds culture? Culture breeds winning. But all I can tell you is that at the Dodgers, we have a great winning culture, and it's important for us to bring in the right guys. So when you are going to kind of subtract some pieces, you have to be certain that the talent matches up. But I think more importantly that the makeup um, is has to be a marriage. And, and this is going to be interesting because we had a few weeks of spring training. And now with we've been quarantined with, with obviously this pandemic. So to now go back and hopefully I got my fingers crossed that we're playing baseball here in a few weeks that you got to bet on the three weeks we had. And then now the 17 days that we have to kind of get back together to now go into a season. So uh, I don't want to be long winded, but people have asked me if we do get this season going, is there going to be an asterisk with this season? And my counter is it's actually harder this year to kind of. People going away, being isolated, kind of keeping their mind, their body sharp to then get back into the play an abbreviated season where now it's a sprint for baseball players and 81 games, whatever the number. And then to, to ultimately hold that trophy up, you know, that's a bigger, I mean, just, just as big of an accomplishment in my opinion. You know, Dave, I want to go back to your high school career and lean on some of your experience as a quarterback because we've seen these baseball players that have transitioned to the National Football League and have a lot of success. Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, Kyler Murray. What do you think they've been able to learn from their experiences in baseball that have really enabled them to be franchise quarterbacks that have been able to play at a high level very early in their careers? I think um, there's a couple of things. I think for me, um, playing football, it was the, 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 the competition, the two-a-days, um, you know, our coaches back then weren't worrying about us being too hydrated you know so <laughs> i mean it was hot we were running and you know it didn't matter so, <laughs> and uh parents couldn't come out and get a get a coach fired from high school <laughs> that didn't happen um, so I, I think just the toughness of putting on gear and um getting hit in the mouth and getting back up going back to the huddle um counting on people around you i mean when you're when you're a quarterback and you you're counting on guys if not you're going to get your uh you know you're going to get it handed to you um and i think you know going from two a days to then going to summer ball or going to practice and playing basketball and just suiting up and trying to catch up with those guys that are just the basketball players or just the football players I just think that there's just certain things that just make you better. And like I said earlier is, you know, you've got a 90 mile an hour fastball under your chin and you still got to stay in there. And that guy's going to probably throw that slider. And, you know, whether it's Calvin Murray, it's Pat Mahomes, it's like they've been there. And you'd be surprised how many of those 300 linemen, 300 pound linemen don't want to get hit by a, a little white ball. Uh, so it's just interesting. So I think that to be able to have done that and to stand in that batter's box and see 90 or get hit. Um, by 90 and still have to take that next at bat or take a bad hop off the chin and still keep your head down and catch that baseball. 
those are little subtleties, but I think that that help make you a well-rounded athlete. And I think that's what you guys, you know, you want that athlete, you know, and, and that checks those boxes. But that athlete, man, I'll, I'll take that athlete who is tough any day. I love it. Dave, you've been very generous with your time. This is the last question I've got for you. Uh, we look at this Dodger team as it's constructed right now. The most important question, who, who would be the best football player uh, on the Dodgers? Who do you got? <laughs> All right. I love that. <laughs> That's a great question. I'm going to see when my boys uh, tune into this, I'm going to get some ribbing. So, uh, <laughs> so um, uh, Jock Peterson was a wide receiver, um, but I just don't see it. Uh, the foot speed, so he's gonna, he's, but he's got great hands, but I don't think he can create separation. Um, the easy answer is, is Mookie in the slot. Um, I, I, I just trust that he can get separation. Um, I, I kind of liken him to like a Wes Welker type. Um, so I, I think that I'm probably missing somebody right now, but I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go Mookie Betts. Okay, that, that's that's chalk. I mean, that was easy. Dave. It is chalk. I know. That, that, that was, I, see, that was you, easy you buckled me with the question because I wish I would have bet because <laughs> I, I know I'm shortchanging somebody. We had, um, you know, Yasiel Puig for for my first uh, three years, four years, and so oh, yeah. he fits the mold of the body, um, <laughs> but he's very linear. Uh, but yeah, but uh, but you know what? I I, uh, I probably could have done better, but you can't go wrong with Mookie Betts. Yeah, I was gonna go. I was thinking Bellinger had like some Ed McCaffrey in him. You know, you never know. You never know. <laughs> okay, see, I like that. See, there you go. See, Cody, Cody uh, wasn't a football player, so and I'm gonna put him on blast right now. And he couldn't play on the defensive side of football, so uh, he's an offensive player. Uh, he puts on some weight. I could see him. Actually, I could see him being like an Eddie McCaffrey. I like that because he's long. He, he's fast. Um, I like that he's got great hands, too. I love that. Good call. Oh, that's great. Hey, man, this has been so much fun for us, Dave. I know uh, we're all hopeful we get baseball back here soon as well as all these other sports, but it was, it was just great to catch up with you. Thank you for your time. All right, fellas. Thanks for having me. All right, Buck, that was fun. It was, it was great to catch up with Dave. And, um, I mean, so many different notes you could take away from, from that interview. What stood out to you the most? Um, I think the thing that stood out to me was he just always kept talking about bouncing back and coming back and how they dug themselves out. He talked about grit, the toughness, the mentality. Uh, he kind of made it very, very simple. In football, we use a, a mentality of one play at a time. And I think for him, he kind of talked about like, hey, just take it uh, one play at a time, one at bat at a time, one game at a time, and kind of work yourself out to build a momentum. And then the other takeaway that I got from him was just the importance of communication between leaders and players. Uh, every day trying to make sure that he touches uh, one of his players, that he makes each and every one of his players, that he makes sure that they know that they're important and that hey, they have a, an important role to play on the team, no matter what their role is. And so I think it's unique perspective. I think that perspective comes from his ability to go from being a starter to being a spot player when he's with the Boston Red Sox and having success. I just think he gets it. And I think the more that we think about team building and championship teams, yes, it's about the schemes, but a lot of it is about the connectivity between the coaches and the players that they really are leading. Yeah, I really came away with similar takeaways. I think that 
that in the moment theory, you know, it was something we've heard. We heard from John Smoltz and we talked to him about you know, making 130 good decisions. Uh, we've talked to so many coaches, NFL and college coaches, that have said the same thing. It's that focus, being able to maintain your focus uh, one play at a time, staying in that moment, not worrying about what happened in the past, not not uh, thinking about what could happen in the future, but just staying right there in that moment. I thought that was such a great a great message there from Dave Roberts. And then I also thought um, when he talked about the challenge of almost getting up to the very top of the mountain and coming up just short and using that analogy of, man, now you got to go all the way back down to the bottom and start again. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, when you're playing basketball growing up, you go out in the front yard and you'd say, okay, I'm going to hit, I want to hit, you know, whatever, you know, 20 foul shots in a row before I go inside, right? You get to 18, you get to 19, then you miss on 20, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I got to go all the way back to one and start to kind of build my way back up. Well, now stretch that out over a 162-game season plus all the postseason, have to go all the way back to the beginning uh, and have that disappointment kind of linger and, and be able to focus on what's coming up next. What a big challenge for those baseball guys. Yeah, huge challenge. And a huge challenge when you've been to the World Series back to back years and you've come up short. Uh, to re earn the right to kind of get back there is something that is difficult. I'll go back to my playing days in Green Bay. Uh, Fritz Shermer, who is Pat Shermer's uncle, was the defensive coordinator in Green Bay. And we had lost in the NFC Championship game to the Dallas Cowboys or whatever. And he said the first meeting, he was like, there's no automatic next step. You can't fast forward through the next season and put yourself right back in the place where you were and then get it right. You have to go back through the entire process and do it. And doing that process is not going to be easy. And I think for the Dodgers, they had to figure that out as they've kind of made their way to the World Series twice. And I think the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens, they're going to have to do it. But the thing that should be encouraging for the football teams They just saw the Kansas City Chiefs do it because the Kansas City Chiefs lost in the AFC Championship game in overtime and bounced back the next year and won it. That is a testament to the toughness, the resilience, and all of those aspects that you need to be a champion. We'll see if some of these other teams have that in them that will enable them to get back on the big stage. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of carryover there, a lot of crossover when you talk about what they face in baseball and what you deal with in football. I thought the other kind of interesting point was – um, if, if you look at the baseball season, man, it's a sport of failure, right? You get a lot of failure, be able to come back from that failure. But, man, you get another opportunity the next day. And he even kind of hinted at the fact that in a shortened baseball season, hopefully we get one, but in a shortened baseball season, like it's a sprint, um, more of a sprint sport. Um, and I thought that was interesting. In football, there's so much riding on each and every week. You know, a loss is crushing. And not only is it a crushing loss, you've got a whole week before you can go play again. Uh, whereas baseball, you can kind of navigate through a slump. You, you can't really do that in football. Yeah, I, I think it's funny. I heard Joe Madden say this. Like, their goal was to just see if they could win every series, right? So if you think about a, a, a three- or four-game series, if they can just win every series, there are going to be some losses in there. But if you win the overwhelming majority of your series, you're going to win close to 100 games, if not more. Um, In football, I remember John Fox, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, talking about taking the season in quarters and just going three and one every quarter. Three and one every quarter gets you to 12 and four. 12 and four in most years will put you in the conversation to get home field advantage for the playoffs. And so it is a very reasonable and rational take, but I don't think it's one that most people would kind of assume that that's how you approach a long season. 
Yeah, all right, we got the, the re-air times here for the show. It is going to be Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, 12 a.m., 4 a.m., and 8 a.m. So, again, you have a long night on uh, <laughs> that's your time there. You can yeah, find it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. it. Go out go out and have a good time, I guess, and your, your, your uh, social distancing and, and stay out in public. I don't know what the heck you're going to do uh, <laughs> during that time, but if you, if you find yourself out, you can come back in and watch the show. So uh, be on the lookout for that. I, I wanted to run this by you. I am not a... Uh, I'm not a, uh, a business guy. I think maybe we'd have to have like Andrew Brandt or somebody on here to explain this to me. But I was uh, thinking about baseball and their whole situation and what they're going through and trying to work it out between the union and the MLB. They can't figure it out, right? So, Buck, tell me, tell me if this is not if this is a crazy idea, okay? Because you've got a short-term money crunch, right? They're mm-hmm. going to lose a lot of money. Every sports league potentially losing a lot of money this year. So Major League Baseball and the, and the Players Association, they're not in agreement on what the compensation should be for this, for this season. There's 30 MLB teams, right? They've got three divisions in each league. Why would you not at this point in time say, you know what we can do? Let's, let's, let's go to expansion in the next couple years. Two new teams. Take the NFL model, go to four divisions, right? So that it's still even numbers and you have four, four divisions in each, the American League and the National League. That influx of money for the expansion fee is a huge chunk of money for them to do that. And oh, you know sure. there's plenty of cities that would want it. Um, so, I mean, why would that not be a topic of conversation you could visit and say, we could influx some serious cash to help offset the losses they're going to have this year? Yeah, like a couple of things on the business model. I like your idea uh, with the expansion. Uh, I do believe that there are a couple of the cities that could come and compete and we could fill those stadiums. Uh, I'm a baseball fan, so I would love to see more baseball. Baseball uh, really gets me. What I can't understand, um, when you talk about short term, uh, yeah. some money's better than no money. Yes. So yes. At, at, at some point, I'm listening and I'm like, like, I get it, but I would rather have a couple coins coming in than miss an entire season. And then the stuff that we're seeing with the minor leagues is heartbreaking because, man, you talk about 400 or so minor I mean, a, a, a ton of minor leaguers that you talk about dreams being extinguished. It's already tough enough, like, to hear what they were living on, like $400 a month or whatever. Like, I, I just yeah. didn't know that the minor league system was like that. But uh, it's crushing. So many people losing jobs or whatever that I would just like to think that they would be able to get in the room and figure it out. Um, Safety and all that stuff first, but figure out a way to be able to get it done where they can play and that not only the players on the field and the upper level, but all the people that work in those environments in the stadium, that maybe they will find a way to kind of get back at it or whatever, because it has been an economic downturn um, in all of those cities with pro teams because so many people depend on those games to really fuel their respective businesses. Yeah, and I mean, as it relates to the NFL, I mean, we'll see. We, we have the advantage of having time on our side compared to these other sports. Hopefully things are continuing to trend in the right direction and we can get a full season in and, and maybe even with the stadium's quarter full uh, would be nice as well. But I, I, I know the NFL kind of has it perfect right now, right? You've got the 32 teams. The math works beautifully. Um, but I almost wonder if that, if that, if there was a huge loss of revenue, if that wouldn't be something that would be, uh, you know, uh, approached with the NFL thinking about potentially expanding. I know for me, I think it would give us a lot of content because can you imagine, you know, thinking up the different rules of expansion and saying, okay, if we went team by team, you can only protect this amount of guys. You know, it, that would be, it'd be kind of fun. Expansion would be fun. Cause I, I was, what, were you playing 
Yeah, I was playing. I was playing. I was playing during the expansion uh, draft. Uh, yeah. That was my third year, third year in the league because I ended up going to Jacksonville their second year. Okay. So my second year is when they had the expansion draft. My third year is when I uh, went down to Jacksonville in the middle of the season. It was their second year of existence, and it was. Uh, what was the difference? Yeah, what, tell me the difference. Cause I'm curious. So, about it, so it's funny, right? So I go from being with the Green Bay Packers um, <laughs> in '96. So the first half of '96, they eventually went on to win the Super Bowl. I go from being on that team that is absolutely loaded with Reggie White and Brett Favre and Leroy Butler and all those things. The team is rolling. It's like automatic wins every Sunday. I go to Jacksonville, and at the time, Jacksonville may have been three and six. And I remember my parents coming to a game and the stark contrast between being in Lambeau and watching that team play and watching the Jaguars play. Like my dad said, like, man, this is kind of like a almost like a high school game. Like it's so <laughs> it was so different. And and there was constant turnover. Like every week, man, it's like four or five new people on the team because you're trying to figure it out. Um, it was great for young players because you get an opportunity to play, but then you have a mix of old players and you have so many people coming from so many different um, previous teams that it's hard to build chemistry. And so it was a unique challenge. But the thing about that, the second year of existence, the Jaguars and the Panthers both went to the championship game. I told you how bad we were. We went from three and six to qualifying for the playoffs, knocking off the Buffalo Bills, and the number one seeded Denver Broncos to play the Patriots in the championship game. Well, the Carolina Panthers did something similar in their own right, uh, going to the championship game and eventually losing to the Green Bay Packers. But it shows you that, look, man, you can turn it around. You can build a team pretty quickly. You got to have some luck and some things go your way, but it certainly can be done. Yeah, I think it would be fun, man. I think it would be fun to uh, kind of go through that on our side of things because there's a lot of different strategy. And I'd have to go back and research what happened with Houston. I know the rules were different with Houston. I don't think they were as favorable because your teams had such success early on. I think the NFL was like, whoa, we made this too easy. For yeah, so teams. no, and, and what was funny, what was funny about the Panthers and the Jaguars approach, there were two different approaches. Bill Polin was the general manager of the Panthers. They elected to go older, more veterans, um, and jump started. Tom Coughlin was coming from college. He wanted younger uh, guys that were fresh out and kind of have a college model. And both were successful in their own right. Uh, yeah, the rules changed with the Houston Texans. They didn't give them the advantages that maybe they felt like the Jaguars and the Panthers had. And so they never had that kind of instant pop of success right away. Yeah, no, I, I just look, we'll see what happens. Hopefully the revenue uh, picks up for all these sports and we get them all on the on the field and on the court and we can get a full sports season. But I just know why that the expansion thing was just kind of entering my mind. Like, man, that's a way you can generate some revenue. Oh, I mean, there are a ton of ways. There are a ton of ways they can get that money. They'll get the money back. You know, it's, 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 it's a weird thing, man, seeing the standoff. I think uh, the best thing that happened is obviously the NFL, they got the CBA done uh, before everything hit. And it appears like, the plans in the NFL are kind of better laid than some of the other sports leagues because it looks like our league is going to be able to jump off, if not on time, shortly thereafter. And so that'd be a good thing. Yeah, I, I did, by the way, I talked to, uh, I've talked to a couple guys in personnel the last, uh, maybe the last week, uh, general manager, another personnel director, and neither one of them expect that you'll see scouts on campus, Buck. So they're already kind of preparing that, getting ready for the fall, that college football looks like it's going to be a go. All fing, you know, Fingers crossed, it all looks positive there. 
but I just don't envision that the colleges are going to want these you know NFL scouts traveling into their buildings. And so I get ready, man. Scouting scouting from home this year, watching tape, making phone calls, getting on Zoom. I think that's I really think that's what's going to happen. That might that might be a better life for a lot of people. They may not be able to get those guys back on the road. You know, you know who's you know that's bad for uh, chiropractors because those <laughs> scouts sitting in the car like this, you know, for friggin' months at a time. Yeah, I got a chiropractor bill is going to go way down. I know we've talked about it, but DJ, imagine how much money teams are going to save with this approach, though. Like without oh, yeah. the travel, the rental cars, the the planes, the hotel stays, and all that. I think at some point it's going to be hard for people to go back to kind of like the normal way of scouting. I don't think it goes. I don't think it goes all the way. I don't think it goes all the way back. Yeah, really I don't. Goes. I don't think it goes all the way back at all. So yeah, it'll, it'll interesting to see how it all changes. It's going to continue to be a, a different world we're all trying to navigate. Uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap this thing up, Buck? No, it's funny. I was looking at uh, Nabil's statement. You talk about no more Marriott points. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, Nabil, some of some of the scouts, and I don't know, DJ, if you're like this, like I'm platinum for life, so it doesn't matter. I'll never have to stay again. So like, I'm good. Titanium platinum, baby. Titanium platinum. So I'm I'm good. I I've done my time. I am good to go. Like I, all of it. upgrades forever. So I'm good. So those guys that didn't make it, it's unfortunate, but I'm good to go. Yeah, well, I got we my just car. need to make sure that these hotel chains don't go out of business. That's that's what you know, that's that's the concern. As long as they stay in business, we're fine. You know, we we can take our trips. Uh, but anyways, all right, this is fun, man. Uh, great to catch up with Dave Roberts. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I know some people probably look at that and go, why are these guys talking so much baseball? It's not. It's, it's a leader. It's a leader of men who's trying to win a championship. And there's a lot of tie, uh, a lot of carryover there with, with football. So I enjoyed it. we got some great guests coming up in the future, too. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, I do want to thank everybody for help putting this thing together. Uh, Nabil, Arjuna, Mark, um, Matt Tanton, the whole group that, that works on the audio show as well as the video show. It's a great team we have here, so they, they get all our information out to you guys, so we appreciate them. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. It's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years have a plan and know the game be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget remember if you or a loved one has a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER 24 7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services Inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started.
Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit mrsmyers.com today. <laughs> 